Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Today, we welcome my dear friend from college, Brooke Jackson, who married her high school sweetheart, Justin Jackson. Justin also joins us on the mic. Justin was recently traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. He began his NBA career with the Sacramento Kings and later moved on to play with the Dallas Mavericks. Brooke has always been a huge support and friend in my life and has always encouraged my dreams. If you meet her, you'd be encountering a literal angel. Brooke and Justin share about the beauty of marriage and having a teammate throughout life. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Like I said, I don't really want to do this like formal introduction because I just want to roll right into it. But um, Justin, I've met you maybe two times in my life, but I've heard a lot about you through Brooke. And one of the stories, my favorite stories, is when Brooke almost killed me on the way to Tallahassee to, to watch you guys play when you played for the Tar Heels. We went over to FSU. And I just remember Brooke driving with her knee, like eating something. And I was like, this is it. This is how we go down. And here we are together FaceTiming. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Stories. Yeah. So good. Um, Okay. I want to start off with this because you guys are married. You're a power couple. You guys are headed towards a huge, amazing direction that God's got for you. But let's start at the beginning. And where did you guys meet? Okay. (laughs) So, for a long time, I was pretty uh, embarrassed of this story um, and thought it was, you know, kind of like just typical for this day and age, you know, millennials meeting on the internet. But he actually slid in my DMs, and that's where it all began. Yeah, so he asked me where I was from and on Twitter, and then... That's all she wrote. Justin, what did you see in Brooke that was so different? Uh, well, at first, because I, I first saw her on Instagram. So, obviously, all you know off that is just she was beautiful. And so, that's that's what I saw first. But then, um, as I started to get to know her, she was just different um, from the standpoint of the things that she thought was important in life were different than most people. Um even though she was really good at basketball and really good at all these different things, like she had, um, her top priorities were just different than most people's would be if they weren't as good or as pretty or as smart as Brooke is. Um, and so, uh, I think that's kind of what hit home. Yeah. Brooke, what were your thoughts of Justin when he slid in your DMs? Well, so let's just get this. I don't know if we said this. We were in high school at this point. Yeah, you're so- young. 17-year-old kids that I, for sure, was a train wreck, you know, still in, but... <laughs> oh you know, no, you're not. Uh, but he was a basketball player. That's all that I knew at the time. But, um... And then he, he was going to North Carolina and, all, of course, all those things, whatever. So that's what caught my eye. I'm like, he's tall. That's great. I'm six foot myself, so finding a tall guy is, you know, kind of hard. And... But obviously, when we started talking and texting, like he was just different, very different. He he was homeschooled. He grew up homeschooled, and so just the dynamic um, between us was, you know, we, we had just grown up totally different. So I think that drew you to him. 
Yeah. 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 And then you guys go to college. I met Brooke um, in a religions course at UF. Were you sitting in front of me? Yeah, I was sitting diagonal to your right. Yes. And we were in this course and I don't really know like who said what first, but we just like sparked this friendship. That was my first year at UF. And then I think how many, I mean, we had like maybe a month long sleepover. Like you came (laughs) and stayed at my it was over. We were like, thank you, God. Like, I mean, where's she been? <laughs> and then there was this time that we were um, taking pictures at your apartment. And uh-huh. there, I, we got to find this picture so we can post it when this podcast comes out. Have them all. But we're in this, like, flannel shirt doing the, like, duck face or something like that. It was tragic. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so, I think, you what? I think I had blue hair. Yes. My hair much all blue you were like you were like a mermaid so at this point you know you go through college you're a UF athlete Justin's playing for the Tar Heels at this point the NBA is kind of on the horizon um were you a junior Brooke when you found out that he was going to go into the NBA like did you finish your senior year yeah it was my junior year that um we figured that he had gone to the draft um combine or whatever and and saw that he had a a chance to go to the NBA that that following year and so, yeah, it was my junior year. So yeah. when did you know um, that you wanted to marry Justin? <sighs> well, I had thought from the beginning, I'm like, this is the guy, like, for sure. No, no way there's anyone better out there. Um, and when we first started dating in high school, and then once we got to college, thing, you know, life kind of changed for both of us. Um, it was just a total different um, environment mm-hmm. and figuring ourselves out and, um just going through changes that we had never experienced before and also like adversity that we'd never experienced before. And so just as individuals, I think we grew a lot during college. So we, we like broke up, um, you know, for a while there. And then I think after, once we got back together, um, during my junior year was when it was like, okay, this is for real this time. We've, you know, kind of done the work though. Mm-hmm. That- feels like we needed to do to get to a point where it's like this is like something we want for life how long were you guys broken up for um i want to say a good like good like full school year okay like um i think we broke up like in summer of my sophomore year and then um kind of rekindled it in at the end of the year when we went to that game with you actually i think it was like part of it starting up again and like trying to see where it would go from that point yeah and Justin what were what changes did you go through during that school year of not being with Brooke like personally spiritually all of that where were you at um well so she's been uh very nice when she says you know we had to go through time through changes I think me personally um I was very ignorant um and made some very dumb decisions Um, and I myself didn't really know who I wanted to be, um, during that time. And so, you know, while I was there, you know, being in North Carolina, people look at you totally differently. Um, and you can say things, you can get away with things, you can do things that most people wouldn't be able to do. And so for me, that, that time was really more growth for myself. Like I had what I really wanted and who I really wanted to be during that time. So for me, like my, you know, my relationship with the Lord got better. Um, 
just me as a person got better um, because I started to really stand firm on the things that I thought was right or wrong or whatever. Um, and so I think that time was really important for my own growth. Obviously, you still, I'm still, you know, like we're still all growing. Um, but I think during that time, I had to really figure out what I wanted to be, um, who I wanted to be, and what I wanted to do in life. Um, and so after that, that's when I realized, like, there was nobody else that I wanted to be with and Brooke. So she was being nice about it, but it was really my own personal growth that I needed to do. Yeah. So kind of like a, a boy becoming a man type of thing, going through a lot of those changes. Were there certain people in your life that came alongside you that mentored you and helped you during that time? Um, yeah. I mean, so I have, it's funny cause actually he's probably on his way now. My freshman year, I went in with, um, two guys that were in my class. Um, and I, I roomed with them my first year. Um, and I love those guys to death. They're still, I still talk to, still talk to them on a regular basis. Um, but my sophomore year, um, two, our two other, the two freshmen coming in my sophomore year, um, I decided to move in with them. And they, that ended up being probably the best move I could have made personally. Um, because for one, both those guys are some of my best friends now. Um, and both of them are very, they hold me very accountable. Um, and so during that time, those two guys and then a couple other guys were the main ones that kind of stuck with me, walked through, walked with me. Um, and we did pretty much everything together. So um, a couple of my teammates and then two of our managers were kind of the guys that I stuck with during that time. Yeah. And then, Brooke, what, what personal changes did you go through during that time? as far as spiritually and with your confidence and everything? Yeah. Um, so I think going into college as an athlete, as basketball player, as my sole identity, um, was kind of wrecked, um, from the start there at UF. Um, just like the change of, of, I think what God was wanting to do with my life and just like, you know, your life is going to, um, mean more, I guess, than uh, what you you can contribute on the floor, you know, as far as on the basketball court. Um, so that was really rough, just really uncomfortable, like that kind of being stripped from my, what I was clinging to so much and in, in who I was and in who, where I got my validation. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of a, a difficult transition for me, just um, figuring out who I was outside of basketball and like what God was wanting from me being at a school to play basketball, but yet I wasn't performing in a way that was receiving any, um, praise, you know, uh, off the court. So yeah, that, I kind of went through like, who are you really Brooke, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, what are you going to give to the world after this, your career in basketball is done? Yeah. And then when you guys got back together, it was like pretty shortly established that you guys wanted to get married. Um, you guys got married in August, right? It was in August. Yeah. And yeah. so what did that like summer look like at this point? Do you know that you're um, going to play with the Sacramento Kings? Like, what does that whole life look like for you guys about to step into more of the spotlight? Um, let's see. So the draft was before we got married. Yeah. So um, we got engaged in April. Yeah. Graduated in April. And you got yeah. drafted in June. That's right. And then moved, and then got married in August, and then moved to Sacramento in August as well. Yeah. So it's pretty quick turnaround of like, hey, this is happening, and <laughs> just get ready, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
What? I think it was like it, everything was such like a, it was just back to back to back. You know, like we, so we won the national championship and that night, like I was figuring, I was in my hotel room with my parents figuring out a way to, um, to ask her to marry me. Um, like all, obviously everybody else was out celebrating whatever, but I was trying to figure out a way to ask her to marry me. So then we got engaged, the draft happened. And then literally the morning after the draft, we had to fly out to Sacramento, um, do whatever we had to do there. And then I ended up missing working transition, uh, for that year because our wedding was during that time. Um, so it was just a cra- that was a crazy, honestly, a crazy couple months yeah. or a few months in there. Cause it was just like, and really like, I think too, you know, during the time, I don't think at least I wasn't really thinking about it, but, um, you know, it, it took a lot of like trusting that God's plan for us was the best plan because obviously, I mean, she's from Tennessee, I'm from Texas and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got to pack up and go to Sacramento. Um, and I think during that time, I think was a, was a time that God was like, okay, go ahead and, you know, you can say that you follow me. You can say that you trust me and you give me kind of your plans, but let's see if you actually hold on to that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a crazy time. Yeah, I can imagine. And for, and for those listening, can you guys sit here and confidently say that God's plan was better than the one you could imagine for yourself? Oh, for sure. No doubt. Yeah. 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 At this point, yeah. And during the time, I, I would be like, what the heck is going on, God? Like, what are you doing? You know, like, it, like of course, you don't see the bigger picture while you're in it. But, yeah, definitely, for sure, can accomplish it. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people in our age demographic that grew up maybe Christian, and then they get to the real world, and they're like, ah, like your faith is kind of shaken, whether you're going to be in the NBA or the NFL, or you're going to start a business, whatever it is, you realize that like your faith is authenticated through a lot of the trials that you go through. And then when you look back, you're like, oh my gosh, I did not see that you were sparing me from this amount of hurt, but you were also setting me up for a future I could have never imagined for myself. So you go through this process of like, honestly, humiliation, like you get really humbled And then when God like shows you what he has for you, you can't just help but be like, oh my gosh, like, thank you. I did not see that all along. And you're grateful for those things. Um, So one of the transitions you guys went through in marriage was Sacramento to Texas. So what did that look like? Also, have you met Mark Cuban? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've met him quite a bit. Um, And super cool guy. I think our, as far as the transition, um, you know, I will say, I think Dallas felt more like home, um, which now it is home for us. Um, but I think it's, um, you know, just like this new move, I think it's, it's one of those things where again, it's like change, change does suck. Um, you know, nothing can really make having to pack up and move somewhere easier. Um, but I think it's also what I've realized in life is like the connections and the relationships that you make, um, really do make your life. Um, 
you know, like for instance, when we went to Sacramento, it was like, what are we doing in California? Like we, we don't have, like never once did I ever think before we moved to Sacramento that I was going to be living in California. Um, but now one of the pastors from our pastor in Sacramento, I mean, I talked to him pretty much probably multiple times a week. Um, you know, and we have relationships still in Sacramento that we're still really close with. And now coming to Dallas, you know, I think it, it's kind of a testament of how we try to live our lives. But, you know, I think we've left our mark pretty much everywhere that we've gone. Um, so, like, the relationships that we make here in Dallas now, you know, the amount of people that have reached out basically and talked to us about, you know, us having the, the transition again um, from Dallas, I think, just kind of shows the relationships that you make. Um, is really what gets you through life, honestly. So, yeah. And I mean, I can imagine like you find out or whatever, you really don't have a lot of control over where you go as, as a unit. Brooke, as a wife, what are things that you need to do that you feel like you're called to do as his wife to support him in that role or people out there listening to support their, their better half and what God's given them a dream to do? Yeah, so um, I'm still figuring that out, honestly. Um, <laughs> we just take it day by day of just, like, um, what de- what is life going to look like in, like, a week or, you know, like, next month. It's, like, kind of wild how much we don't have control over our lives, um, which is a beautiful thing if you just, like, lean into it a bit because I did not for a while. You know, I think this is the first time that I've ever been, like, um, all right, God, like, I, I understand now that, whatever I do, I can work as hard as I want to, but I'm not going to ever have any say of what goes down. So, um, I think as a wife, just supporting him and, um, just fully being myself, like fully, like, I don't know, not leaning on him for like my confidence and not leaning on him for like any of the things that only God can provide me. Um, I guess I'm, I'm working on that a lot of just like, um, yeah, just yes. knowing who I am and like being that fully. And then I know God is going to take care of the rest in, in our marriage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important for all like relationship dynamics of whether you're dating, engaged, or married is finding your confidence in the Lord and who he's called you to be because someone's always going to fail you, you know, like you can sit there your whole life and maybe compare your life to somebody else. Or if he was like this or she was like this or point fingers or whatever, and you're always going to be left upset or are discouraged or feeling like you you're, you're letting someone down. And something that's just so awesome about you two is you guys did take that, that split in college and you guys <laughs> did find out who you are in the Lord. And then you came back together and now through the trials of moving around all the time, God's really creating a strong foundation for you guys, which is what our society needs. Because um, Brooke, you and I have talked about this before, but just how much like the family and and marriage is really kind of being downgraded in our society. It's taboo. You know, people are waiting longer to get married because they don't want to give up part of their life. Well, marriage is a beautiful thing. And we've somehow in our culture and society distorted it and made it seem like, and I I was telling Brooke this, I went on a, on a bachelorette weekend trip and people would come up to the bride to be and be like, just wait 10 years. Like, it's not going to be as great. You're not going to be as excited. And she was just like, don't speak that over me. Like, this is something I've been waiting for. I'm excited. Now I have a, a teammate. I got my ride or die here. Like when I go through seasons of life. So what would you say your favorite thing is about marriage? Both of you can answer this separate if you would like. Yeah, yeah, Keep it PG. 
<laughs> Even PG. We can. Um, yeah, I would say just having um, someone else, like you just said, I mean, to go through all of the really hard, crappy things that life, that happens in life, and, and being able to have someone right there beside you um, through whatever, and, and someone that, to grow with, and, and like, I don't know, be vulnerable with in a way that no, no one else, um, and see you in a way that no one else gets the opportunity to, to see you as. Um, I think that's been the coolest thing for me is just like, I don't know, like you're a completely different person than you were when I first met you and even when we first got married. Like he's a totally different human being, totally different man, and, and I the same, I hope. You know, it's like, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just a really cool thing to see the transformation of another mm-hmm. human. Uh, so up close, especially. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree and say seeing seeing the growth that each one of y'all make on a daily basis um, I think for me personally I tell people this all the time like Brooke is my getaway from like all the stresses of basketball and all the stresses of just life in general and so having that person that you can come home to and it's like you just get away from everything else mm-hmm. uh, and I think that for me personally, that's kind of what's so cool to me is like, I don't know how I would deal with it if I, you know, was in the NBA, I was single and, you know, I don't play for six games straight and I got to come home and there's nobody there to do life with, you know, like that's, I think that's what's so cool to me is like, I'm able to come home and it's like, okay, forget basketball. Like this is the most important thing, you know? And so I think that's probably the coolest thing for me. Yeah, that is, I mean, it's precious. And I think also something that we forget in society. Well, if you don't believe in God, then this is ill and void. But when you believe in the Lord, you know that marriage is eternal. And you know that it's some, it's an investment that's on your soul and in your t- eternity. And so it's it's better for two to be together when you go through life because the MBA is going to be nothing one day. Like our even our foundations are going to be nothing. But the people that we impact through those things are going to result in a, a lot of change and eternal change. And so, again, like if the enemy can attack marriage, he will because it's strong and it's something that like people are detouring away from because they don't want to give up X, Y, and Z freedom or whatever it is. And Brooke, you mentioned the word uh, vulnerable. Justin, when you think vulnerable, do you, as a man, do you think weakness or do you think strength? Do you think there's a lot of strength in being vulnerable with your wife? Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm probably the 0.01% of men that would say that it's a strength. Um, and I think I was never, I, I was never really brought up you know, the type of like, don't cry, don't let people see you cry, that sort of stuff. Um, but I've seen so many people and so many men who, when you mention vulnerability, it's like, what are you talking about? Like vulnerability, that's like showing weakness. Why would I ever do that? Um, but I think vulnerability is really the only way to really live an enjoyable life, honestly, you know, cause vulnerability, it's not just necessarily you know, opening up about your deepest, darkest secrets, but it's also allowing people to see every day that you're not this perfect human being or that you're not this person who, you know, seems to have everything completely right. Um, and honestly, for me, like I, I love living that way. You know, I love walking around, 
you know, and somebody calling me goofy or somebody calling me, you know, what's, you know, like just weird things like that. I think that's really the only way that I would want to live life. Mm-hmm. And there is confidence that's built in being vulnerable. It seems like opposite, but when, first of all, you got to get vulnerable with God and be, be honest with him because you can't hide from him and it's okay. We all mess up. We're all sinners. No one's perfect to so get vulnerable with God. And that's what happens when you really find your identity and then you get vulnerable with another person. And it's this weird exchange that when you are vulnerable, you start to feel confident like out and about or when it comes to your calling in life, whether it's to be an NBA player again or a business owner or a podcaster or whatever it is like you get this like strength when you know people know your heart. That's also the beauty of community. It's also the beauty of having like like-minded men and women around you, young married couples who believe the same things as you, or when you're, you know, separate, or if you're in the locker room, having a a couple men that agree with marriage the way you agree with marriage. And same with Brooke, like having women come around her that know what it's like to be an NBA wife, but also serve God. And it's like, you start to see God place certain people around you and in your sphere, which is probably why it's hard to move because you're like, ah, like, how am I going to find these people again? But you can trust that he'll bring more people in your life. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. Justin, what is the locker room like in the NBA? If you could like kind of give a snapshot of what that would look like. I've heard about the NFL locker room, but not much of the NBA locker room. Um, I think it just kind of depends on what locker room you're in, honestly. Um, both locker rooms that I've been in, um, we had more of like a college type feel. So guys, you know, after practice or whatever, would hang out, talk, um, that sort of stuff. Uh, but I, I know of some locker rooms where it's, you know, mostly vets, you know, everybody just kind of disperses, you know, so there's not really that, you know, true camaraderie when it comes to the locker room. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I've been lucky to have, um, you know, two locker rooms where guys just loved hanging out and being around each other. So that definitely makes the experience a lot easier. When it comes to uh, joining a new team, what is that like? I mean, I know, I mean, the NBA is a business, so it's not like you are picked by captains and you're like, ah, these are new friends. Like it's a business. So what is that like kind of coming onto a new squad that's established, but also getting a few extra players? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I think it's a lot easier than it it seems like, um, because you have that one common goal and that's basketball. Um, and so I think, you know, keeping that the main priority, but then also, you know, you, you start to gel and obviously like we've all dealt with it in making friends through life, you know, like you start to kind of see, okay, I might, you know, I might be able to gel with this guy, you know, I might be able to hang out with this guy or enjoy, you know, hanging out with him a little bit more than, you know, so-and-so or whatever. So it's just kind of reading and, you know, kind of feeling out different guys. But I think having basketball and having, you know, that main goal, um, as like everybody's, you know, central, 
you know, mm-hmm. you know, goal, I think is, is what really helps kind of help people gel even whenever they get treated or new guys come in or whatever. What advice would you give um, men out there who are really learning who they are, I should say, that are maybe like in their their 20s, like kind of headed to because I can talk to my dad and it's like he's known who he's been for years. I mean, he's been a dad for years, so he's kind of got that identity. But what would you say to those that are kind of in that transition of finding out their identity is separate from what they do every single day? Um. You know, my first my first thing that I would tell somebody is, um, I think uh, I can't remember who told me, but there was some somebody told me one time it's okay not to be okay, right? So as you as you go through life, whether like you said, whether you're going to the NBA, NFL, some other business, whatever it is, I think not acting as if everything's okay and not trying to fake things and make it seem like you're this certain type of person and instead just be you, you know, whoever that is. Um, and I think a lot of times in life, especially men, I'll speak on the man side, like men are made to feel like they can't have any sort of weakness or they can't have anything wrong with them. Right. Like, cause they're supposed to be, the strong guy who, you know, provides for the family and all that sort of stuff. But I think what I've realized in life is, yes, you can be all of those things, but you can also be all of those things with weaknesses, you know, like and those weaknesses don't make you lesser of a man. They don't make you lesser of a person. It just means you're human. And I think going through life, realizing that has helped me a lot more because I grew up feeling like I had to be a certain way for my parents or a certain way for, you know, whoever. Um, And I realized that life is so much more miserable compared to just living life who you are. Um, And we're all screwed up, you know, like we all, we all have issues, Uh, but those issues are what make us so beautiful because those issues are exactly how God made us, you know? So it's like, when you realize that it makes life way more enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. And, and something that you said about you can be all those things and weak. It's that verse that we believe in is like his power is made perfect in our weakness. And I think that's just something so beautiful. And one of the most miserable times in my life for when I, like thought I had it together, which was last year. And I thought I needed to like have this nine to five job. And I was still living at home. I lived at home for two years after I graduated college. And I felt like every time I like went out, like with my friends who were like married with homes or with my parents' friends who had kids that were grown and out of the house, I felt like everybody was staring at me, even though they weren't. But in my Mm -hmm. head, I just had this thing of just like, keep it together. You don't need to admit that you're still living at home and that you don't have a real job anymore. And you're cleaning toilets and you're podcasting. And so I had this like huge, just, I felt like there was this like target on my face and there wasn't, but the minute I admitted where I was at to people, I felt this like freedom. And it was like, yeah, you might not be able to see the full picture that God's sharing with me right now. As far as where I see this podcast going, I might only have a logo and I'm living at home with my parents at 20 something years old. Obviously nobody wants to be there, but that's where I was at at that moment. And the minute I started to admit that I started to see God move more. And he was moving all along, but I was able to see it more because I admitted that I was weak. And I think that's something that that people, once they get to 
grips with that, that we're all screwed up, we're all messed up. Like the people we see that have made it in life are just as messed up and weak as we are. Um, Brooke, from a woman's perspective, for all the women out there that are listening, married or single, what would you say is the biggest piece of advice that you've learned about your identity and like where your actual beauty comes from and where like you feel like, man, I like who I am because God created me this way. I don't have to look like her and have her body and have her hair, like all that. So what would you say really unlocked that for you? Uh, I'm still learning this as well. Uh, but I would just say finding people that, um, that are capable of speaking life over you and truth over you and reminding you who you are in God and how God sees you. Um, I think something I've experienced um, a tremendous amount is just isolation of myself, um, just like hiding, like like all the things you were saying I was probably resonating with because it's like you don't want anyone to know all of the shameful things that you know, you're dealing with or that you've experienced and, um, you want to hide and run away and just, you know, completely just isolate yourself. And that's exactly what the enemy wants is to get you alone and to, to speak into your mind and, and not have anything, you know, like combating that, just like hearing lies after lies. So just, just like surrounding yourself if possible with, with people that know who you are and know who God, um, sees you as and like just listening to them and believing them when when they tell you you know the truth of yeah there's a lot of power in community I heard this sermon once um by Louis Giglio and he basically he had this table set up with all this the feast there and um it's about like Psalm 23 like he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies and he Mm -hmm. like plays the like you know, bad guy devil role. And he comes up to somebody who's sitting at the table and and it's like, did God really say this about you? Did God really, you know, orchestrate this for you? Did God really bring you this person in your life? And he starts to put these doubts in your head. And he's like, that is exactly what the enemy does. You have a feast in front of you that God's blessed you with a community of people an income, a home, all these things. But if you have people coming in your ear saying, did God really say that about you, you're going to start to self-destruct. And it's like, who do you have at your table? Like, who do you have like partnering with you through life? Like Brooke, we've talked about this, like for lack of better words, we've been at each other's tables since we were like 18 or 19 years old. And it, it can be years that we don't talk, but when we get on the phone, we feel refreshed because we're like, okay, I don't have anything to prove to you. Like there's, this is not this fake friendship. This is something that like you saw me <laughs> crying my first year at UF because I was miserable and didn't know like Literally. what I was doing with my life. And that's like real and that's raw and that's something that I think during COVID, especially people are starting to encounter more because the world's kind of shutting down. Like crowds are not filling stands anymore. We're kind of left with who we are and the people surrounding us. And I mean, I think that's um, just kind of where we're headed as a culture. Um, For both of you guys, can you kind of highlight GG's for me? I know that you guys are really involved in that. So tell me about that foundation. Yeah, so Gigi's is a achievement center for individuals with Down syndrome. Um, it came into my life in Gainesville, actually, um, when I was going to school there. There was a, a playhouse location um, sent there my end of my freshman year, and so I got involved, and um, I have an aunt who has Down syndrome. She just turned 50 this past year, so she's like the light of my life, and 
and a big reason of why I am the way that I am and, and why I have a passion for Down syndrome and the, all of the whole world of Down syndrome. Um, but yeah, so when we moved to Sacramento there, we noticed that there weren't any locations out there. Um, cause I was trying to get plugged in somewhere. Um, and so then we were like, well, let's just bring one out here. And it turned out to be, you know, like this long journey that we've been on since pretty much 2017 of like trying to get one out there and raise the money. And obviously we've not met a, um, yeah, huge group of people that are like family now, um, out in Sacramento and yeah, that have Down syndrome or have been impacted by Down syndrome. And so, yeah, we're still working with them to, to make that a reality, but yeah. Yeah. Do you see it as something like replicable that you want in the cities that you move to and go to as part of like your ministry? Yeah. Um, I'd say that um, it's it's just been such a hard because we got traded right as we were um, from Sacramento to Dallas, right as we were about to open the playhouse in Sacramento. And so um, it's been kind of a difficult challenge that we faced since leaving there of how to how we can contribute and how we can, you know, help help out and still be involved, but without physically being there. Um, But yeah, we would absolutely if that's what the Lord has for us and like what what he wants and totally be down to do that wherever we go. Yeah. That's awesome. I I see the posts on it and it's really impactful to see you, someone that I've known for like years now be, you've been passionate about this for a long time. So to see it kind of transcend into the next chapter of your life is like really cool because we talk about it. Like we've had, we've laid in a bed before talking about our dreams. So to be sitting here today, like having this conversation, we always told people we'd have the Brook and Brook show and it's happening today. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of wild how life kind of comes full circle and how God puts people in your life to, to accomplish what he wants to do, which is encourage others to him. And that's what you guys are doing. Um, before we get to rapid fire and the write it down, I wanted to ask this last question. I don't know when it was, but it was a while back. I think I saw a picture of you guys with like Lecrae or Andy Mineo. Is that okay? What's the story on that? I love them so much. They're so great. Um, so I got connected to Lecrae. Uh, I guess it was when we won the championship. That was whenever I first got connected. I think in some interview they had asked me like who's on my playlist or something, and I had mentioned him. Um, and uh, he had reached out to me or tweeted at me or something like that. And so I got connected to him. Um, and then so I went to he had a, he had a concert actually in Sacramento. That was the first time that we really met, I guess, huh? Yeah. yeah. That was the first time. And then he came back out to Sacramento and had one with Andy. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we met Andy as well. And then actually the crazy thing is Trip Lee actually lives out here in Dallas. And so when I moved out here to Dallas, uh, I can't remember if I had reached out to him or if he had reached out to me or something like that. So somehow I got um, connected to him. He came to a game and I met him and kind of got more connected to him. So it's kind of crazy because those, I mean, honestly, those three guys are kind of some of our favorites when it comes to, you know, Christian hip hop or whatever. So it's pretty cool that we've been able to connect with some guys like that. Yeah. And Tripoli especially is like a theologian. That man, like he is a pastor and KB like, and their lyrics, when you hear them, you're like, 
Ooh, man, it like cuts so deep. And man, I love that. Okay, let's get um, let's get to our rapid fire questions. Um, you guys can both answer this one. And then I have well, I have two you can answer together and two separate. London or Paris? You can answer this. Both you can answer this. London, let's just say. Yeah, we'll say London. London, London. Really? I don't know much about either. So Me either. I mean, I don't know, but I'd, maybe I'd pick Paris because of the food. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> all right, Wendy's or Mickey D's? Uh, Wendy's Nuggets for sure. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's fries. I feel like McDonald's is so much more versatile, though. Like, yeah, McFlurry. Their breakfast, their breakfast is, is pretty good. True. Uh, they have so many different options when it comes to, but <laughs> yeah. No, but Brooke, I think that was what you were eating was Wendy's chicken nuggets when we were driving to the game. Oh yeah, more likely than yeah, not. I, th- I think oh. that's what almost took my life. Yeah, <laughs> my we, we need to find that picture because that was the first time I'd met Justin in person, and we had gone back and I saw like to his hotel room. I saw his shoes, yeah. and I was like, my like both of my feet could fit in there, probably like another foot as well i was like dang like you don't realize especially with you two in a picture next to each other because yeah. normally it's like medium shot up you just are like oh they're like what no like in person i look like like i'm to your kneecaps i don't know how to like explain it i'm your little baby we're yeah. gonna need to photoshop a picture of us three together somehow yeah. and post it for this podcast of like for sure yeah we'll do that okay uh justin what is your like pregame warm up song right now? Who right now? We'd have to say Willie. I don't know if you've heard Andy Mineo and No Big Deal. Okay. I love No Big Deal. I just heard his, he's, he's good. Like, yeah. no, Willie, it will like, hype you up, Brooke. Okay. Love it. Love it. Okay. Brooke, you remember like back in the day, um, probably like when we were maybe like 14, how the shirts of Air Apostle or oh, like, of course. Ha- yeah, with the like the font on it or the yeah. Hollister. So, would you rather walk around for forty days straight with the Air Apostle or Hollister shirt? Like, if you like had to at this age, Hollister. Hollister. You'd wrap Hollister. I was, I was that age. I was never able to fit into it. I was always a bit larger, and they were so tiny. I'm like, come on, make it a little bit bigger so I can squeeze in it. I, so definitely, right now, I would just squeeze myself right into that Hollister. Just, First. just like an ode to your teenage yes. years. Yeah, just- I couldn't fit in you before. I couldn't either. I was not built like the itty bitties. And no. that's okay. That's perfectly fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Exactly. I'm healing. It's good. I'm going to counseling. Um, okay. We're getting to that point of the show where we offer each, um, the audience, um, something to write down and remember. So what is your write it down? Your words of wisdom. You want to go first or me go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay, so I have a quote from Brene Brown, the um, the legend herself, um, and it is, authenticity is the daily practice of letting go who we think we're supposed to be and who we are. And that quote has kind of carried me um, through a lot of growth myself of just, like, leaning into who I truly am and, like, all the outside voices and and all the images that we see in our minds and the media and society of just, like, telling us who we're supposed to be and, like, all the voices, you know, just this is – and how, how wrong we are, you know, and, like, how – like, what's wrong with us and, and not what's okay with us. And it's, like, yeah, so that, that would be, I'd say, the – a good one um mine's probably just control what you can control 
Um, so obviously with basketball, you know, it's kind of the whole cliche. You can control your effort. You can control how hard you work. You can't necessarily control playing time. You can't necessarily control what the coaches, you know, decide to do or whatever. Um, but then even in life, like you can, you can control being a good person. You know, you can control how you care for somebody. You can control, you might not be able to control, you know, who our president is or, um, you know, that sort of thing, but you can control your personal ways that you live life. Um, so that's always been something that stuck with me. Yeah, I love that. You really, the rest is in God's control. Like, and if you try to finagle every single outcome or anticipate every single thing, well, what if that this happens and if someone doesn't respond the way that you want them to, okay, are you going to self-destruct or are you just going to move on and be like, all right, like, I did what I needed to do. I trust that God's got my back and I'm going to be okay. And and like you guys have said with your story, which is so impactful is his plan is always better. Like when you give up yours and you real or not even when you give up your own plans, when you give up who you thought you were and yeah. you let him tell you who you really are and what his plans are for you, you like life is just so much more exciting and so much more filling um, when you let let go of that control. So write it down, Brooke and Justin Jackson. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.